Hey, and welcome to another round of the Rugby Report Cup. Uh, this week, uh, obviously, with me is Blake and also Jim. How are you, fellas, after an outstanding round of, of rugby this weekend? How are you, Jim? I'm really good. Um, oh, gosh, I'm back in. I'm back involved, mate. The comp's wide open. It's spread eagle. It's anyone's game. I love it. I don't really know where to go. For, yeah, I just don't know where to go with the spread eagle. But Blake, I'll throw to you after the spread eagle. How, how are you after the weekend? Even happier than Jim. Um, honest to God, these these rugby weekends come around once a decade as an Australian fan. It was top to bottom sensational. Um, we beat the Springboks, arguably the best team in the world. We dusted them again in Australia. It was an awesome, awe-inspiring game of rugby. We had our own Gregan tackle in the corner, um, a generation of kids will grow up on Corabetti's tackle, um, just in the same way we grew up on Gregan's tackle. It was awesome. Uh, and then to top it off, you've got the Kiwis losing um, to Puma Pride, who've now knocked over Australia and New Zealand in consecutive weeks, in New Zealand, mind you. And then you've got the Australian Sevens team ending a 23-year drought to win the Rugby Sevens series. You couldn't write it, mate. Had Sydney Uni lost, this would have been the greatest few days of rugby history uh, for an Australian <laughs> fan. But unfortunately, Sydney Uni won, so lowers the bar a little bit. T- top to bottom special. Enjoyed all of it, mate. And it's really nice because, um, and I think I mentioned this to you at work and I tweeted this as well. You come on here and, you know, like fickle fans, some weeks were high, some weeks were down, some weeks were brutal, some weeks, you know, it's exaggeration. But at the end of the day, I think us Aussie fans, there's there's this belief in the potential of these players, Um, but it never arrives. And and you do doubt yourself. You wonder, uh, is there actually potential or are we just deluded on, you know, home team bias that we want them to be good? But at the end of the day, we're actually a bit shit. And, and to see the boys deliver, it's not consistent. It's not consecutive. But they fucking did it. They delivered. That first 10 minutes was awesome. Loved it. So that's how, that's how I feel, Richard. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I actually want to add to it that the, the Wallaroos actually at the weekend too. And it was a fantastic rugby spectacle having the, the Wallabies of the Wallaroos on the same uh, on the same day. And I think uh, obviously absolutely getting pumped the week before by a huge amount. Um, but to come back to only lose by by eight this week, uh, I think was, was huge growth for the, for the Wallaroos too. So I think it'd be remiss of us not to, to mention them. And they're, and they're hopefully growing towards obviously the, the, the World Cup. And, and the next time they'll play the... Uh, uh, the ferns will be in will be in the World Cup, so um, it's great to see their, them continue to grow. I think with the with the spectacle as well, we always talk about the the Six Nations being a great tournament because of time slot, um, etc. In the theatre and the drama, but I'm loving the rugby championship right now because just because of the the inconsistency or the toss of a coin between it and then you know um, the fact that we don't know who's going to win. So I'm excited by the rugby at the moment. So uh, good weekend, and I'm hoping that the Wallabies can back it up next week because it'll be a great way to to open up the Alliance Arena. Uh, from a rugby point of view, with a with a Wallaby win, because that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, I agree with the tournament. I think I was on here bashing it a few weeks ago about you know the weak absences and the shitty time zones, and, and I guess it, it just is all about is like, correct. Yeah, and you just felt like well, everyone will beat Argentina, and then South Africa will win at home, lose away. New Zealand will win at home, and that most other places play on end of competition. Mm. Uh, but it just hasn't played out like that at all. It's been much more dramatic and much more exciting. Um, and much of that 
respect and love can go to the Pumas um, mm. and how good the bloody Pumas are. But sh- should we get into the Wallaby game? What do you think, Jim? Who are the standouts for you? Standout yep. performers? Mm. <clears throat> um, look, Nick White did pretty well. I thought, obviously, MK, I'm not going to bang on about him, but one of the best games that I've ever seen. Of any player ever. One of the biggest influences I've ever seen a winger have on one game. And, I mean, you draw to the tackle, but you need to mention that Pollard was shot by a sniper in both ankles to (laughs) to lead to the try. Like, that, to me was more impressive because the skill in that footwork, other than the kamikaze throw your body on the line tackle, um, I think that does more credit to him as an athlete and as a player than that tackle, to be honest. Um, and then just all his work off the ball, mate. Mate, him chasing down kicks, he, he scores the try, they kick it straight to him, he runs it up, he gets out of the ruck, and he's the first dude chasing the kick straight off. Like Something else, isn't it? Th- this week it was something else. And it just happened to be his week where the decisions he's made and the efforts he made was the game. It turned it all in our favour, literally won it for us. The only other moment which helped us win the game was Pollard missing his first two kicks. It would have been a different ball game had they got a little more scoreboard pressure. Yeah, Marika Korobeni, mate, I think it was said, right, he he didn't enter God mode. He was just a god playing amongst mortals. Um, It was fucking sensational for a winger to have that much control of a game when, let's be honest, we never really controlled the ball that much. You know what I mean? It wasn't like... Not outside of the first 20, no. Yeah, it wasn't like he scored a hat-trick and just carved up by finishing all these tries on the wing. He just dominated every breakdown he's involved in, every up and under that went up, every defensive opportunity. Mariko Gorobetti is a special athlete, man, and a special rugby player. Just give him the John Hills medal right now. Give him the John Eels medal right now. Um, awesome, awesome game. And and then I guess we'll, we'll, we'll do, we're doing all the Wallabies today, boys. I'm too excited. So the rest of the back three, um, I think I think I'll have a slice of humble pie. Anyone else want a piece? Reese Hodge. Um, I think it came up that when he plays 15 for the Wallabies, the Wallabies win. Some Mate. incredible win percentage. Uh, when Reese Hodge is 15, he just he's looks, the only other contender who could be getting the John Hills medal, mate. He just looks comfortable and solid back there um, and made one or two try saving tackles. Um, so I'm going to eat some humble pie and say uh, after that performance with no other 15s, Reese Hodge deserves an extended run at that jersey. Do you boys agree? Yeah, he's doing his bit for the country. It's like when your your co-worker calls in sick and you've got to do a little bit more. It's like that. That's what he's doing. Well, kind of reminds me Sterling Mortlock-esque, very different players. I'm not comparing them at all. But like Mortlock or even Adam Ashley Cooper, they'd play for their, their state team and you'd be like, yeah. they throw on the gold and you're like, holy shit, this guy's a freak. Um, so Reese Hodge, mate, I've bagged him. I didn't want him in the squad. I didn't want him in Australia A. I'll have him back. Richard, where are you on Hodgie? Yeah, I think um, at the moment uh, we've talked about over the last few weeks about chopping and changing, um, and we really need to stop that, or the Wallabies really need to stop that. I like um, it I when he is for you, Richard. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, I think the fact is that he did play well, and for he has to keep his jersey for the following game. Um, and obviously it's his now to lose. If he continues to play well, then... 
you know, he keeps it. You know, he has to prove us that we were, we were wrong before. Um, so we'll just see what happens. But I, I actually want to get away from the back three because I think you're being a dis- doing a bit of a disservice to start with the back three. I understand why you, you chose them. I but I think maybe think about through, Richard. I'll froth on them all well, if you want to today. Not the front well, row. I actually, I actually think we need to talk about the pack, really, because, you know, if you think about a quintessential South African team, it talks about the fact that they, they win the, the contest up front, they're big, physical, and I think it'd be really remiss not to talk about the impact that, that Slipper had, Alala Latoa, um, the fact that even Wright, Valentini, I think they set the platform, which hasn't um, occurred recently in, for a Wallaby team. So I think there's a lot of kudos needs to be given out or, um, to that pack, really, because... As I said, I don't think it's the first choice in Avetico was back and, and, they, and they played really well. Yeah, it's certainly defensively. Um, mm. Lord Laurie's been in there for a week coaching and, and our forward pack had some mongrel. They had some real physicality about them. Um, Philip mm. comes to mind. Valentini comes to mind. Absolutely sensational. Um, I, I must admit, uh, the, the black hole was our set piece. Um, yeah, the, the line the out was... Ugh. Yeah, Falau Fainga, still not, still not a – too many penalties, still not the right option at hooker, but I don't know who is right now. Yeah, it's I feel like not a, there's not a rugby analyst out there who doesn't know how to beat Australia right now, how the Bockies are going to come back and dominate this game. Like, it's going to be a Bockathon as we've seen it in decades previous. It's going to be set piece, it's going to be up and unders, and it's going to be Pollard not missing a kick. Yeah, I agree, but I think that's what they tried this weekend. And to Richard's point, our pack showed up, um, defensive mall, defence, breakdown. Um, we bashed him in defence, mate. And then our forwards in attack, getting over that ad line, it was the tip-on ball. Um, we didn't run into the traffic. We just shifted it one channel further and, and there was all of a sudden ad line. Um, and your Valentini's made game line, which I think was really, really impressive. Line out was a shit storm, absolute shit show. <laughs> but I'm a little bit more generous on Flowerfinger. I think he um, he scrummaged very well, um, and I think he actually played quite well around the park. Um, but I think I wouldn't make any changes to this side. I'd keep the consistency of the Brumby front row. But if I was going to make any, and I had to make one, it would be Parecki to to hooker. Um, I think he is our hooker. He, he's just been injured um, and was returning from injury because that line-out was a shit show. But I thought Matt Phillip was sensational. Um, whilst our scrum um, wasn't amazing, um, it held up when it had to. It didn't leak penalties. Um, and, and that one penalty that we won on our own try line just before halftime was game-changing. Um, that could have so easily been push over South African try, another yellow card. So I felt like the scrum held up when it had to. Um, but it didn't. It certainly wasn't parity or it certainly wasn't dominant, but it survived. So I think that that Brumby combination up front did the job. So we should be proud of our scrum. Line-out was a shit show, but everything else the forwards did was sensational. Uh, I thought Rory Arnold, he's a huge bloke, didn't do but enough. maybe a little off the pace. He'll be better for it. Um, but, you know, fucking 125 kilo second rower, I'm all about it. Um, and, and we've got to give all the praise and credit to Fraser McWright. Hasn't he filled well, my just about to, I was just about to say that. What, what are your thoughts, Jim? Like, is Fraser McWright actually causing a problem right now? With how well, uh, t- t- two tries aside, is he causing a problem with how well he is playing? You know, because is he actually uh, getting us to think about 
the, the short term rather than we're thinking about he's the long term option, but is he actually causing a problem with the Michael Hooper selection in the short term as well? Absolutely. Absolutely causing a problem, but it's a great problem to have. And look, make, make him earn it. Make Hooper earn it. He didn't play a great first two games internationally with all the things he had going on. I don't even know what they were. Um, but Fraser McWright stepped up playing out of his boots and it's not going to be a walk into the jersey for Hooper, even though he is the captain. Fuck that. He's getting is it is it me? Sorry, Blake. Is it me? Do you think uh, Fraser McWright seems to be getting over the ball a lot more than what, what Hooper is? Or is that, do you reckon that's just me noticing it? Oh, I think Fraser McWright's your seven with a capital seven. Cooper's always been a 7.25. Um, or so a 6.75. Yeah, well, you know, not not too far, not too far gone. But I think because of that, you do know, notice Fraser McBride a little bit there and it's a necessary piece of the pie that's working nicely for us. I think for Fraser McBride, it's the same thing as Reese Hodge, right? You've got to back it up now. He was dog mm-hmm. shit two weeks ago against Argentina. Like he got bullied by the Argentina pack. He looked too small, didn't look up to it. We wish we had Michael Looper. This week he was sensational. So the sky is the limit for this kid. I'm happy he's playing well. For him, um, you know, to, to be in that conversation with, with a legend of the game like Michael Hooper, it's about do it week in, week out, um, and do it for the rest of the season for as long as Hoops is out. And then next year at Super Rugby, do it week in, week out. Because um, that's what we're starting to see with Bobby V. Um, that week in, week out performance. He was our best against Argentina and he wasn't far off uh, a best forward again uh, on the weekend. I think he is starting to win his collisions and his contacts. Uh, and I know, you know, this is a bit of recency bias and a bit of overexcitement, but he made Vermeulen look like an old man to me. Like well, yeah. It looked a bit past it, mate. I was looking at the stats about Vermeulen, you know, to only have four carries for the entire game for, for Vermeulen and only to make seven metres. He just was, wasn't was very effective and Australia did a good job of targeting him. But at the same time, he needs to get his hands on the ball. And that whole back row, you know, Khaleesi, Steph Detroit and Vermeulen, all knee just didn't play very well. And part of that's kudos to, to the Australian team. But um, it'll be interesting to see how much they, they improve next week. And that It's be interesting, right? Because on, on paper, that's the best back three in the world if you forward pack, isn't it? Khaleesi, Vermeulen, it, it's off the charts. Um, and yeah. Steph Detroit, and then he got mustard on the bench. It's it's insane. But they just didn't deliver on the weekend. But I don't think that'll happen twice in a row. They're, they're too good not to. So the Aussie boys will ha- have to be right up for the program. Um, but yeah. proud of the pack. I, don't, I By no means did we dominate South Africa, but we, we did enough. Um, and then we just executed in those clutch moments. And, and again, give us a slice of humble pie. Um, I've been on here with Noah sort of waiting for him to have that game. Um, but, you know, like he, he, he hasn't shown enough. He's shown enough. I can shut the fuck up. Noah's outstanding. He deserves that number 10 jersey for a very long time as far as I'm concerned. He's a humble kid. Like it wasn't just, oh, yeah, mate, I've been working hard for it. He's very thankful because I think he's very aware that this can be taken all from him very, very quickly, right? Yeah, it's almost um, just, like that cricket post match. But that's Sorry, right. Yeah. Just his post match chat. It's it's not all glory and this and that. It's 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 a very humble um and realistic mindset. And I guess my only question is is it it sounds a bit Quade Cooperish. 
um, and that saviour warrior that James O'Connor does and, and both of those guys aren't in the team anymore. I sort of want that arrogance. I don't know which one I want. Remember the, the Quaid of Young and the Kurtley Beale of Young, the O'Connor of Young, and they've all gone on this hippie run in their 30s. Um, we're seeing the hippie run in Noah's early 20s. Uh, let's see how that pans out. Yeah, humble kid, mate. And, and our centres, I thought, was sensational as well. Uh, Paisami, he's just a 12, right? Whenever he plays 13, we'd say he's too small and not up to it. He plays 12, we fucking froth on him. Um, and and still my sunshine is just a freak at 13, mate. Can read a game defensively. He's straight in the line beautifully. Um, I, I just want no more conversation that anyone else should be playing there. Um, so very, very happy with the whole team. I thought the so only one who was underdone so was not, Holloway. You know. You're not putting uh, Karevi back in there then, no? Yeah, he's not going to be back for the next 12 months anyway. <laughs> so just being, just being, just being a dick. Yeah, just, yeah, let, us have a dick. just let, let us have this one, Richard. I mean, yeah, probably. But for now, I think Paisami gets a very um, extended run. I think that's the secret for this Wallaby team, right? The only guy I probably wouldn't froth on on the weekend was Holloway. Um, just didn't notice him, right? Didn't do anything wrong. So maybe he was doing all the right stuff. Um, just didn't notice him, but that number six position has been impossible for anyone to lock down. I'd have no issue. In fact, I'd be very happy to name uh, the exact same team next week. And I would just say, just to go back on a point you just made about uh, Lawrence, I, I agree with you. He's very steady, Eddie. I've been, I've been saying that we should, that uh, Australia should stick for him for a long time. Um, and I think surely we, we've got to get to a point where it's just like you know he does what he needs to do. He kicks his goals. He he gives out, obviously, he makes his tackles. He gives the ball to his outside back. He's he's very steady, Eddie. We don't always need a superstar. So, does, at what point do we finish the conversation and say, look, let's just stick with him and back with him completely? I think the the, the problem around that prior to this game was he just didn't have those moments where he could cut the game open. And we looked flat because of it. Like, there isn't another playmaker in that back line. Um, and so his steady Eddie, when you don't have those line breaks, you go away at the end of the game and you're like, oh, fuck, we just got no one who can open the game up. This week he did those things. He put in that cheeky little kick. He broke the line himself one or two times. He ran that inside ball. He put someone else in a hole. And it's like, right, if he can cut the game open, a team like Springboks, twice a half, that's all you need from your fly half. I can't believe that, uh, that Brumby's inside ball off the prop worked. It's Mate. just lazy, right? If that works, that's just lazy. That's just the Springboks being lazy. If James Slipper can throw that inside ball, fuck, I love it, but it's so sexy. Oh, yeah. It's a great move when it comes off. It makes the others look like idiots. But <laughs> when it does come off, you're like, it's, it's just tired, mate. It's the last 20 sort of play. Tom Banks used to run it. Maybe that's what fooled him. It's a Michaela special, isn't it? And Lollis here ran that line beautifully. He came from fucking nowhere. He was blowing out on the other side of the rock deep and just appeared. Um, what well, the big talking points of the game, though, um, obviously is Marika's tackle, um, which, like I said, honestly, a generation of kids will have seen that who will have never seen the Gregan tackle, who will not know who George Gregan is. And if they will know, they'll know it's the guy who can't say um, a sentence on the, on the commentary. Marika's tackle is something that will be on rugby billboards in this country for the next decade. Mm. Um, 
And, and it's uh, a tackle that would father the fatherless. It's got that much testosterone in it. It fucking doesn't it. It was something else. And for father me. the fatherless. I quite like that, Jim. Um, for me, I mean, this is no surprise, right? It was great theatre. That is why you put on the footy. Australia down to 14 men. South Africa have got us on the ropes. It's that wing we're short. They send it wide. Every coach in the beginning of time says uh, the ball's faster than the man, not when it's fucking MK. And he just, it's just like a bull, mate, just tracked single line and then didn't just tackle him, fucking destroyed him. Um, I loved it. I loved the, I loved it all. I loved the theatre of it. Uh, but unsurprisingly, the fucking wambulance comes out, the yellow red card police, um, and, and just try and take those moments away from us. Uh, I think in this case, it had absolutely nothing to do with player safety and everything to do with partisanship. Every Australian was saying how it was sweet and every South African was saying how there's no arms, it's dangerous. And it fucking depressed me that we all missed the point of that tackle. Look, there was a degree of recklessness in it, right? Fine, mate. As we all know. Contact sport. What are you talking 100%. about? The arm. There was an attempt to arm. There wasn't a, a wrapping of the arms around the chest where it's pure shoulder. It's a fucking, I'm going to get, if I'm fucking you, I'm going to get fucked up too. It was more like a haymaker. Mm, and like, the pimpy diving. That, yeah. Beat shit, mate. You, you can't dive. Now, you can dive for the line. He chose to. Mm. Well, it's your fault if you eat shit then. Anywhere else on the field, he's the guy getting penalised for diving. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just wouldn't have it. I just don't know how. And it's so sad to me how, when a moment like that happens, our first reaction is it should be a penalty or a card. I just feel like you are just missing the point. Now we've done knows? it to ourselves, though. We've done it to ourselves. Who knows? Maybe I'm wearing a green jersey. I watch it and I'm blowing up. Who knows? Like maybe it is just that ingrained partisanship, but I don't feel like it is. I feel like that one for me was black and white, and they are the moments we watch the sport. They are the moments you watch the sport, right, when a player just does something superhuman um, that you didn't see coming that is dramatic and physical and filled with testosterone, as you said, Jim, fathering the fatherless. I loved it. So I don't know. Any objection here to the tackle? No, absolutely none. It's what we tune in for. It's the theatre of it all. And if we're going to be competitive on the world stage for the uh, limited eyes that enjoy sport, we need to let that shit exist. Yeah. Both those gentlemen play the rest of the game. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I can't go on here every week and say this sucks, this sucks, and then something that does go in our favour, I can't go in there and say it sucks. Of course not. I'm consistent. I like it, Jim. Yeah, I don't know. This one's black and white for me, but I, I tell you what, the South Africans don't mind Twitter. They were very upset about it. Um, well, I think we're all in agreement there. If you disagree with us, I don't know, eat a dick. You don't have a microphone. Oh, wow. Richard, wow. Richard wow. you got any, got any problem with the tackle? Just, first of all, I, uh, thank you for throwing to me after you just said eat a dick. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, no, the, and I think the I saw the, uh, the the yarn on Twitter about the the no arms in the tackle and what have you. But I think if you I think you can see he makes an attempt to to obviously wrap his arms and everything. So no, I don't have a problem with it. No. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I, I was looking forward Thanks, to arguing about yeah, it though, thanks, but I'll take Thanks, it, Jim. I guess. Um, and then the other one was uh, Nick White. Um, slap Outrageous slap in the head from Faf. Um, yellow card for Faf. 
I'll let you boys go first and then I'll um, I'll tell you what I think about this one. But this one has very much divided the world. Nick White copping shit at airports uh, by South African fans. I quite like that. Um, but this one has also divided the rugby world. John Smith coming out saying a bit of rugby just died today. Um, righto, mate. You have a team that used to eye gouge people. But anyway, um, what do you think? What do you think? Yellow card. Was it a yellow card? What do you think about Nick White's action? What do you reckon, boys? I just, Go, about Nick, I just want to talk about Nick White's reaction, first of all. Um, first of all, I don't like it, okay, but I understand why he did it. Unfortunately, we are, and we have said this on the, on the podcast a few weeks ago, that unfortunately there, there has to be an overreaction to bring about a result, that whole cause and effect. And if, if he'd have just stood there and taken it, then nothing would have happened potentially. And he realises that if he... If he does something, then it's more likely it's gamesmanship to get Faf um, sent to the bin. Do I like it? No, I've watched football all my life and I don't like the histrionics around football. I just want to see the play, want to see them, them playing. And I always think that rugby should be held to a higher, higher regard. Do I believe a part of rugby died yet the other day? No. Do I think Nick White has to be better? Yes. Nick White has every, has every right to react in any way that he wants to. Um, and he's playing that gamesmanship approach. But do I personally like it? No. Do I also think that Faf, uh, Faf um, should have been given a yellow card? No. I also don't think he should. It's a it's a penalty. Uh, I understand it's a strike to the face, which by the framework, whatever we're going for. Uh, but I don't think that it is. Um, it was to a force that was going to endanger the player. So uh, that would be my read. That I don't I don't like what Nick White did, and I also don't think it was a yellow card for Faf either. Jim, where are you with it? I uh, don't think it was a yellow card. I thought it was just a penalty. Um, mate, when your back's on the ropes and the pressure's on, I didn't like the position he had at the scrum. I thought that you can't get the ball out of there without some delay in play, which is going to get them earlier up on their line and in our face. I, Can I I, just I'm, I'm even more confused with where I, I thought the offside line was the ball, but it's, it's just like get back a step. Let's get the ball out of the rock. Can I just jump in there? It's it's one of my bugbears from my days of playing halfback, but even watching the sport. Scrums are fucked enough, right? They're so hard to get a clear scrum. Why we let the halfback follow the ball, I will never understand. It just seems like a terrible fundamental rule for me. At one stage in the rules, it was you couldn't pass your half of the scrum. Much better rule. Um, I, I like ju- that too. I, I just having the number eight piss around at the back, trying to get one side of the scrum up so your halfback can get a clean pass away. I just, why would we make it harder to clear the ball from the scrum? I hate that rule. Um, and this, I, I don't think Faf was offside, but I actually think under the current rules, which has been for a long time, halfback can get himself in that position. It's just not good spectacle. So I agree with your point there, Jim, and 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 that's where my first bugbear starts. I've always hated the halfback following the halfback. Um, I just think it's a shit rule. Anyway, go on. No, well, that was the train of my thought when I'm watching. I was like, what's he doing in there, mate? Get him back. And then when we got the pass out and he fucked it up with a slap, I was up in arms going, how dare he? Red, red. Um, But look, it's a penalty, but the penalty is really for disrupting the flow of the game, in my mind, than anything else. The high shot, shut up, man. You're fine. Completely um, accidental. Completely accidental. It's not a yellow. Yeah, I, I guess where I stand um, is that I agree with your first point, Jim. I can't stand a halfback 
uh, moving it. I'll, I'll address the yellow first. It's disgraceful. I hate this as much as any stupid yellow we've seen this year. Um, I hate them. I hate them so much. But where I'll forgive Williams, it's not his fault. The framework's the framework's the framework, right? We've knocked blokes off for head clashes. You hit someone in the head, you hit someone in the head. Like, it's, it's just that clear, right? That's, the, that's that stupid framework. It, it is as simple as that. So I can't blame the referee at all for giving the yellow card. Do I disagree with the framework? Holy shit, we wouldn't have to tune in this podcast for the first time to understand that I disagree with the framework. But so even he was apologising for the framework in his explanation. It sucks, mate. It just shows that disempowering the ref to make a nuanced decision on the spot has been a disaster. Um, like, it's just crazy to me that we've let our game be governed like that. Crazy. Um, so that's the yellow, but I do think it's a yellow because that's the stupid rules we have. Um, mm. As for Nick White, there is that one side of me which is like all halfbacks are rat bags. That's what halfbacks do, right? Halfbacks are dramatic and theatrical. They're douchebags. Um, you look at Darcy Swain, didn't take a dive when his hair was pulled. Um, took it into his own hands. He's red carded. Like, are you are you better off milking it? But I don't actually believe that. I can empathise with that argument. I, I actually believe it should have been a penalty to Australia, and then it should have been reversed for fucking douchebaggery. Um, I just think our game's better than that. And I, I'm with you, Richard. I've seen it in soccer. I don't love it. I just reckon. But you know, they've got to make a rule about it. That if you yeah. carry on like a pork chop, and then, but- then how do you? The nine. The nine is the only position you can yeah. get away with that. Yeah, I'll let it slide because it was a halfback. Any other position should have reversed a penalty. Uh, but because it's the halfback, I'll let it slide. I, My I last just, thing before yeah. we move on is what's Francois Stain doing, mate? He's another Van Mullen, mate, and he's fatter than him. Isn't he the fattest dude to ever don a jersey? What's he doing? Did you see? He was wearing, he was wearing 17. That's just to... Um, just, just to to go back because I want to. I feel bad for Francois staying being called fat and donning the biggest shirt in the world. Mate, he's um, huge. He's <laughs> huge, and he looked like an absolute muppet out there. He's in the bomb squad now. Mm. Um, I just want to uh, remind, obviously, all, all Wallaby fans that are listening to this that I seem to remember that when we were watching the Wallaby f- French series last year. And please, I cannot remember the, the, the gentleman's name, but when he got hardly touched and he, he fell over on the floor and there was hysterionics, there was, it, was, it was slightly different, the conversation we were having. No was, idea what you're talking about, is, man. Do you remember the red card? Where the, the you're guy just being the contrarian off? because that's where you're comfy. <laughs> you're comfy at the all back. Of you, all of you were banging on about the fact that it was disgraceful, outrageous, blah, 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 and... Now it's kind of like because it's a it's a it's a halfback and it's Nick White and it's it's okay. So we just you know we've got to be consistent with our. I don't, don't really know what you're talking about, Richard. I've got no memory of it. Um, I'm consistent. Uh, <laughs> I said it should have been a reverse penalty. And Nick White should get fucked. I'm not in for it. I think a game is better than that. Um, but not, hey, not when we're five out from our line though. But game's but, not. But he's our jerk, Richard. He's no, our jerk. Sure. So that's true. And I think, you know, there has to be like a 20% leeway for halfbacks. <laughs> you're allowed to be a bit more of a dick because you're a halfback. I just, think, yeah. I just think you are. I think it's factual. Um, they're probably the big talking points. I mean, honestly, those, those South African fans were fucking, they were, they were me after the Wallabies lose. They were disgraceful um, all over the Twitter. And blow up, they won the penalty count 16-9. It was two yellow cards to one. 
I don't think Australia got the fair, like got the shake of the sauce bottle on this one. I don't know how they could see it like that. Um, it's it's a strange. Is this something about the Erasmus era? Ever since those videos, now they just don't want. They just didn't want to spread it. They just thought they were going to get it up front, and they just didn't couldn't do it consistently. Um, I don't know. Just, I just the South African fans seem so miserable every time they lose. Uh, it's because they they proper write themselves off as the best in the world at the moment. Yeah, well, you're not. But your husband. You lost in Adelaide, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've won in Australia since 2013. How good was the Adelaide Oval and the deck out in the 3.30pm oh. time slot? Don't Loved tell it. me that didn't contribute. Loved it, but I, the TV ratings were disgraceful. Were they? I saw the numbers, yeah. yeah. Can't 3.30 do it. is a terrible time slot, man. Oh, no. I, I, look, I loved it. Summer shining, dry track. Popped it on, but obviously clashes with the schoolboy and the club rugby too. Um, so you lose some of your tragics there. And I just, it's just not prime time TV. Uh, but I didn't just enjoy for it. the record, but just for the record, the French guy was uh, Anthony Jalonche, and Dave Rennie said he wasn't playing in the spirit of the game. Just want to bring that back to that. Just did my research for you again. You. I know. Again, I know yeah. we're talking. Yeah, there, I don't know. Uh, just, let's move on to the uh, to the Argentina game. Well, obviously, cutting the, out a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Uh, just let's just go to the New Zealand Argentina game, and and obviously, what a great result for Los Pumas! Um, incredible. That's now um, obviously, I think two games in a row, or or at least two in three that they've now beaten New Zealand, which is fantastic. Uh, obviously, it was a change in approach, really. Uh, Checker uh, getting them to kick kick their goals, which is probably a little bit different to what we've seen when he uh, coached the Wallabies. Uh, I thought the 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 Pumas did very well over the ball again. Uh, but the big thing, the big takeaway is New Zealand are still very undisciplined. And their yeah. work at the breakdown is not is not good enough at the moment. And that's Bef- that before we, I say say before we shit on New Zealand, and oh God, I've been waiting years for this moment. Years, right? They've lost every game this year by one. It's gonna be great. They've lost to Ireland at home, Argentina at home. I'm going to enjoy this moment. But before we talk about uh, New Zealand. Um, I just think we've got to sit on the Pumas for a minute, don't we? Like th- yeah, this absolutely. is historic, man. They beat they beat us by a hundred the week before, two weeks before, and then they just did New Zealand in New Zealand, not through a red card, not through some bloke was off for sixty minutes. They just beat them. They just bashed them in defence and executed whenever they got an inch. Great win. Uh, we spoke. Great well, I think win. we would. I think we said it months ago when the appointment was clarified and made uh, made known to the public. We knew months before then, but oh, we sure. said that Checker mm. had the best impact on the sh- short term coaching spiel, and it's exactly what we've seen. Like his short term turnaround of a team, his ability to fire a dude up and make him believe in themselves, short term unmatched. But this one, and look, I'm not trying to discredit it at all. But this one didn't feel as big as when they beat them in Australia. When they beat them in Australia, that was next level well, because I, that I, was New Zealand in their prime. This is a bad Kiwi team. Yeah, but I don't want to take away because this is New Zealand in New Zealand in front of New Zealand, just pants down spanking. And they spanking. could have won it at the end like they always do, and they didn't. Yeah, I just wanted to, to a couple of shit at some Pumas. Um, their back row, six, seven, and eight. Fucking beasts, mate. The game that they had of rugby was just physical and 
dominant. Um, that number six try, Martin, how quick, I, don't, I think that's how it's pronounced, Martin, um, how Mar- quick was he? Martin. Okay. <laughs> I think it's Martin, Chief. I think you'll find it's Martin. <laughs> um, his try man off that kickoff was absolutely sensational. Um, and that was how they were going to do it, right? They weren't going to do it by building 45 phases. It was going to be a mistake that they pounced on through perfect execution. And oh, that's was that what that's they the delivered. six, right? The six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin. Oh, yeah. John Martin. He was, Ma- Marty. He was electric. He goes by, actually goes by Marty. John Martin. Uh, <laughs> goes by Marty. Um, and Buffelli on the wing. I, I, this isn't mine. I saw this on Twitter. But he's just, he's the modern-day Lee Halfpenny. I loved it. I thought it was the best reference I've heard. He's just a little bit taller. Just that winger who executes perfectly. The high ball, <laughs> running, finishing tries in the slots. Who's that? Buffelli. Oh, Buffelli. Yeah. I, I think we also well, need fun. to give credit where credit's, credit where credit's due to uh, Lavadini, I thought, was one of his. Uh, he played really well against the Warriors didn't, last didn't week. Didn't get red carded either. So No, he didn't. And also uh, uh, Matera. Um, I know you're talking about the back rows. One of the best performances he's put in in a while too. So, uh, Well, it was a home game for him, wasn't it? Yeah, great for the, obviously, the Crusaders. I was thinking that. Uh, I but wonder I think how big, much... Sorry, you get rich. No, I just want to say, just when we talk about uh, um, the Kiwi teams normally, when they lose, which doesn't happen too often until this year, uh, it, it's normally a, a, on occasion where they haven't dominated the game. Or if you actually look at the stats, you know, you look at the number of uh, average possession they had, how many carries they had, how many metres game, it's surprising that they didn't win. Yes, their, their defence was outstanding from Argentina, but normally they have that, that flair and that moment of brilliance. It seems to be missing at the moment. And yeah, the Johnny Bar- uh, Geordie Barrett, you know, line break was awesome, but it was they seem to be missing a spark at the moment, the Kiwis. And part of that's due to Argentina, but I think there's there's definitely something missing in that Kiwi team at the moment. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot missing in that Kiwi team. Um, a lot of points. And, and you're right, I still thought they were going to win it. It was only when there was about 10 minutes left that it was like, oh, shit, I actually think they're going to lose this. Um, there's there's a lot with that Kiwi team going on. Um, I think namely, I mean, right, when you say this about older blokes, and Jim's going to love this, but when you say this about older blokes, they've always got a good game left in them. And I think cricket, you know, Sachin Tendulkar, Ricky Ponting, Matty Hayden, you know when you know they're done, but they still get 100 every five-test series because they were the best, mm. but they can't do it consistently anymore. Um, I don't want to name too many guys specifically, but, man, quite a few Kiwis feel like that for me. They feel like they've still got that great game in them, but they're not great every week. Um, and dare I say, Aaron Smith's in that league. Whitelock um, is in that category as well. Mate, I'm a year before you. I know. You're I would, if had me. they listened to me about the row, they <laughs> Their record this year would have been much better. Um, and then I feel like their front row doesn't scare anyone. Yeah, that's that's the issue. I don't think second row and back row is as much of an issue. It's their front row. How many changes have been made in that front row? You know, both in both the props and the hooker. There's been there's been no consistency. You talk about com- combinations and cohesion all the time. That front row is a is a problem. Yeah, I don't and know who they are, but they still trounce the boomers up front though at the scrum time. Like yeah, still it's, just one, it's just one element. Yeah. Um, so the front row is like, who are these kids? The second row is like, dad's armies, and they passed it. The back row, the combo just seems off to me. 
just seems off to me and they can't get it right and the problem is staring him in the face, man, and it's terrible to make a scapegoat out of him, but Sam Kane is not the best seven in New Zealand. Adi Savir is. But they're all a bit, um, they're all, and please tell me I'm wrong, which, uh, but they're all a bit too loose. The other two are a bit too loose, Savir and, and Frizzell are a bit too loose. At the moment, they're not understanding because probably they don't didn't do it in Super Rugby. They're not understanding how to win that the, the turnover battle at the moment. Uh, they're not adjusting to the potentially the, the rules. They they haven't got used to that jackal and get over it. So, yeah, Sam Kane's not the best seven in New Zealand, and he's not playing great. But he's not helped by a very loose six and and Savera who plays quite loose as well at times. I think Savera's the best player in the world wherever you play him. But I just think Sam Kane's yeah. the problem there. I just think he's the whole problem to the makeup of that back row. Um, and Foster's drawn a line in the sand there that you know he's he's going down with a ship. Um, but hey, keep picking him. I hope in the Bledisloe Sam Kane seven and Foster's the coach because um, I think that's well, your favourite. Wallabies are favourites now, aren't they, for the Bledisloe? Surely, absolutely not. Let's not that was going to be my parting words. Like it's game on now. Um, like but, literally, this if we've had more reason to believe than we have had since two thousand and two. Yeah, I'm not so confident, but still, because we do a trans and super rugby. It, there's this weird rugby math is hard, eh? Like, genuinely, we have the wood over South Africa. You can't Africa. do the maths, mate. Yeah, no, I can't. if you can't do the math, I can't help you with that. But we genuinely have the wood over South Africa. They have not won in Australia for nine years. Um, for whatever reason, that style doesn't seem to bother us. But then when it comes to the Kiwis, they just trounced us at Super Rugby and they trounce us in international rugby every time we play them. But then there seems to be no rhyme or reason, right, because England play somewhat similar to South Africa and they, you know, because they dominate those that physicality, we can't beat them. It's it, just seems no rather reason to it. All right, mate. We lost the series, so I've got to address it. But it just seems so odd to me. But I was going to say with New Zealand, I, I think the problem in the back line is no one's playing in position. Like, I think Havili's a fullback. I think Ioani is definitely a winger, not an outside centre. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. The experiment is over. Pick a 13. Will Jordan is a fullback. Um, Geordie Barrett Very good. hasn't played. <laughs> he's a freak, right? But, but Geordie Barrett hasn't played the same position. He was a 12 at one point. He was a 10 at one point. He's been on the wing. He's been fullback. He's been on the bench. There's no consistency of selection there at all. Caleb Clark and Moanga are the only backs playing in position. Um. But even Moanga hasn't been backed consistently to play there. So it's just it's just a nightmare for me. It's just a nightmare, that, that Kiwi back line. Um, the fuck, it's terrible, mate. Like, like, things must be ending in New Zealand. They've lost how many games? They've lost three games in a row at home. That has never, ever happened before, ever. And it was Ireland and Argentina. Let's be honest, it wasn't, you know. Who? You know, it wasn't, wasn't Wallabies, was it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get our turn, mate. Should we predict uh, it next week? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, worrying signs for our Kiwi brothers, but, you know, sucked in. <laughs> sucked in. My brother, man. Uh, <laughs> there, there you go. Next week, surely, surely, lightning yeah, doesn't strike twice. Yeah, the reverse, the reverse results occur, let's be honest. You're all putting money on that. Oh, it's going to be exactly like the first two rounds. 
Can I say disrespect to fucking Argentina last week? Though I may have chucked a cheeky ten on them. They're paying fifteen to one. They just beat Australia the week before. The line was twenty two points, mate. I thought that was very disrespectful to them. You know, I put put money on New Zealand thirteen plus, but still. Um, so New Zealand Argentina game one. What do you reckon? Surely lightning doesn't strike twice. No, sure. No. Game one. Game, game two. One. Uh, yeah, no, nah, New Zealand are going to come back. They're looking for blood. <laughs> um, you can't disagree with that, but come on, Pumas. Fuck, it would be amazing if the Pumas won. Um, Australia, South Africa at Allianz Stadium. God, I wish I had a ticket. Looks amazing, that new stadium. Doesn't it? Doesn't it look great? I'd love to be out there. Um, I'm jealous of anyone who can get out there. It is going to be massive. If you need some media out there, I know um, I know a podcast that could go out there and cover it. Anyone listening? You know, if, if anyone is media. listening, when this comes out um, a couple of hours before kickoff and want to get us a ticket, um, let us know because yeah. we will be there. It just yeah. looks like a big bank west to me. Yeah, but bank west is sensational. It's just I'm you know, not travelling. Oh, God, no. No, it was a failure. <laughs> if they could pick that up and move it. I think that's what this is. $850 million <laughs> and no teachers later. That is what they've done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no trains, no teachers, but the stadium. This is good. <laughs> it's going to be delicious. Um, I'd love to be out there. Um, so who are we on, boys? Australia or South Africa? I'm on South Africa here. I think the blueprint to beat us just needed to be uh, converted a little more. South Africa. <laughs> um, I think we executed perfectly on the weekend and we got scoreboard pressure and I think the way South Africa plays is reliant on getting an early lead um, or, you know, being competitive early. And because we'd blown out by 10 and made their job hard to put the pressure on, it was huge. I'm just not confident we could start like that again. Um Come on, Australia. I'm on the Aussies. Yeah. With us, is where it's a gap. We're going to be shit for minimum 30 minutes. Just yeah, w- which 30? How shit. Yeah. And which 30? Can't be the first 30 or we're in trouble. Yeah, if it's the first 30, it's over. And then we yeah. talk about how good we were. But we, we got ourselves back into it. Uh, Richard, enough. who are you on? Yeah, definitely. Sorry, the um, South Africa are, uh, are they going to win. Now, they can't play as bad before. So I think it's a little from... The Wallabies can't play as well, and the um, the Bockies can't play as bad. So it'll be a lot closer, but I think the Bockies will just get over it. Um, and, and just one last talking point, I thought while well, while well, have you here, boys, there's an interesting article um, about Tupo. You know, show me the money is their next million dollar player, um, and you know, three months ago, no one was arguing that. Right, show him the money. We're going to build a show in a rugby around Tanila Tupo, um, but it was interesting. The article, you know, a bit salacious. But it sort of, I don't know if you boys read it, it alluded to some off-field dramas. Like he, when he got injured, he balloons out in weight um, and spends not, not the keenest bloke to put in the hard yards. You know, when you look at like a furlong or something, you know, they're, they're, when they were Tupo's age, you were like, all right, this kid's got some potential. And then four years later, you were like, fucking hell, that's the best prop I've ever seen. Angus Bell's got that vibe about him. 
like he's putting in the work. This suggested that maybe Tupo doesn't put in the work. And, mate, I reckon that's evident on the field, and which has well, been my problem well, with him the whole this time. This year, since his return from injury, he looks huge. And I mean 145, 150 kilo huge. And he just doesn't seem to be putting it all together. Just dad bought. Um Yeah, well, I think he's had a little one and, and obviously that's not easy, but it was sort of, you know, he is clearly the bloke with the highest ceiling in an Australia. He's 26, he's a prop and he's already world class. He single-handedly dominated Super Rugby. But there's sort of this belief that maybe he's not getting the required coaching at the Reds because um, they don't have a scrum doctor there. Mm. They don't have a palmer there doing the coaching. Um, Can I ask I, you boys, a couple of married dads, um, if you were the prop for Australia, you reckon you'd have like a bit more of a, you know, bit more to argue with when it came to doing, you know, kid work, housework? Uh, I wouldn't fly, no, absolutely not. But <laughs> it's not a bad shout. It's so, not, so, so it's probably not flying at home either. It's probably not flying for him either. It's probably not flying for him maybe either. Maybe we're being too harsh. Maybe we're being too I don't know, but it just made me, it made me a bit sad that, you know, maybe we, we're not going to arrive on this potential or does he just need the right coach or does he need that year in Japan? You know, he's done six or seven straight years, eight or nine years even at the red straight in that setup. Does he need a sea change? Get on to, get the, to get the best out of him because I think we'd all agree since returning from injury, it's a different Tupo. Yeah, something needs to change and um, definitely a change in voice um, I think is important, whether that's a coach at the Reds or to go to Japan or go to England or whatever it is is important uh, because otherwise he's going to stagnate and not reach his potential. So, uh, look, I've said for a while, like, you know, there's room to for him to grow um, as a player still and I think... Uh, for that reason, it'd be advantageous for him to change franchises or to go and experience something different because you can become stale otherwise. Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. Speculating, suggesting that the form has been down. Um, I still reckon paying the money, let's keep him in Australian rugby, marketing, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And he's mm-hmm. clearly a sensational football player. And, and, you know, I'm speculating here, but the form has been off um, since his return. And he just looks very big. Like, I was watching him in the pregame. He doesn't seem to be moving well. You know how, like, mid-season he looked like a winger in space? Yeah. Um, he just doesn't He doesn't have that vibe right now. No, he doesn't. Anyway, that was a depressing note to end on. The Wallabies were fucking sensational. The Wallaroos were heroic and improving. The uh, Australian Sevens were sensational. The Pumas beat the Kiwis. I loved all of it. Rugby is a special game. Bring on next week, eh? What do you say, boys? Uh, Still a bit depressing. You could do better. But we'll wait for next week. All right, lads. Have a good one. Jim, promise us a song next week if the Wallabies and Pumas both win again. Nah, you'll get a song if we beat New Zealand. Oh, Oh, you heard it here first. There it is. Absolutely. There it is. Twice. All right. right. (laughs) Put money on Marty to score again.